Thank you, Cammie and the team. We hope that there is a day and that maybe we have prayed all week that for some of you today is the day where you have a visceral reaction to the under, your understanding of the love of God. That the light of Christ breaks through today on a, on, a, on a level that hasn't happened before. And we have, I know myself, I spent hours in prayer this week for this moment for many of you to step out of, of uh, even quasi-light into the light. And we are glad, glad, glad that you are with us today. Next weekend is Big Splash Weekend. And this is that day that we use the sacrament of baptism the way it was intended to do, to say to someone, here's the opportunity for you to step in fully immersed in the presence of Christ with your life. I was just talking to some folks and I said, I think most people think this is a graduation. Like you've, you've completed something special and now you get baptized. Many of you might think that. Baptism is an orientation. It says, I want to be a student here. This is, this is where I want, I want to be a learner, an apprentice of Christ. I want to fully immerse my life into his reality. And so when you think of those freshmen going off to college right now and they do orientation, it's not a finish, it's a start. And that's what baptism is. It's a start of saying, this is the new life. Some, some of you are, you know, you walk, you're old enough to be around when Moses was on earth and you still might say, I am ready to take this next phase in my journey and we're glad you're with us. If today you have questions, today is your day because at four o'clock here at the building this afternoon, Pete Creamer and Levi Crowley will be presenting a class that's not prerequisite, but it helps you understand the sacrament of baptism. And as we say, and we'll say it next weekend, the powerful thing about baptism, it is the number one act of martyrs. They're literally, in this world, right now, are people being killed because they were baptized. That's how powerful this is. That there are people in our world right now because they, somebody found out that they were immersed in Christ. Uh, their life is, it's just a big deal. That's not going to happen next weekend here, okay? But I just want you to know, this is the heritage that we have when we call our lives to Christ. And we hope you do that. Would you bow with me right now? Let's pray for Afghanistan, okay? Father, we have people in our church. We have people who will be there this morning who are grieving over what has happened this year. You know, I was thinking this week, two of the darkest days, if not in, in American history, but in our lifetime, were January 6th and August 16th of this year. Just dark days. And uh, no matter where we are politically, the reality is we all own this. And we just want to surround our friends, our brothers and sisters who are impacted in a, in a city that is a military city. Oh my gosh, we have so many people that have, have been emotionally impacted because it was their son or daughter who was injured. It was, it was their life that served a precious days, months, and years over there. And it's just horrific. And we need your light. You are the light of the world. You're not a light. You are the light. You are the light we need right now in every neighborhood, in every marriage in every town, in every country, in all the world. We pray especially that your light would enter into the darkness for our friends. We pray the redemption of this we live long enough to see. And we just give you this in our day. In Christ our Lord, 
we prayed. Everybody said amen. Amen. We tell you stories every once in a while. We want you to see a, a long overdue update on the vision that goes back seven, eight years. Uh, seven, eight years ago, I remember where I was standing and we said, you know, we need a place on our campus where we can do weddings and funerals and significant events. And then that vision morphed into, hey, the reality of the American church is different now. And let's see how we can utilize our resources to make a bigger impact than we would ever just make with a chapel alone. And this is the story of Reverie. Take a watch. In 2015, Southbrook Christian Church started a campaign to expand their campus in hopes to create a space for significant events. When Southbrook began to fundraise for this, people got so excited. Uh, it was really encouraging to see the generosity. We got $3.2 million in commitments Wednesday night. It was amazing. Southbrook began to dream about adding a chapel and a reception room for weddings and funerals. It's going to be a powerful tool for God to do some special events in people's lives. My initial reaction was, oh my gosh, how can I be part of that? We were a team of one, me, and it was so exciting to hear her passion about something that really hadn't even been built yet. And we made some decisions and some phone calls and Abby began the crazy journey with us. They had a vision for this project, but they discovered it was so much more. Most of our weddings that we did our first year were a lot of Southbrookers. We started getting to interact with people just part of the community. Um, and then in the last year, we are now doing more non-Southbrooker weddings. We have hundreds and hundreds of people that get to walk into this building and to get to experience the love of Jesus through our team. I absolutely love being a part of this team. We're all committed to the same mission. Our mission statement is your story matters here. We are more than just a wedding venue. We want to be part of and we care about being part of everybody's significant events. One of the things that makes Reverie unique is the fact that even though we're a business model, all of the profits that we generate go back into Southbrook and all the ministries that we support. So we've actually had several families come here for a wedding and they are now actually involved in volunteering. And now they get to be part of Southbrook's mission to love on people in the community. I'm so excited for the future Reverie and all the families that'll walk through these doors, all the people that will celebrate weddings and anniversaries and graduation parties. I'm, I'm so excited to think about the stories that will get told and the people that will come back again and again for different events. I think that my real hope for 15 years or 50 years down the line is that more and more people come to know and experience the very real love of Jesus and finding a place where they belong. Am I still okay? Yeah. I hope I'm not blurry because I'm not redoing all this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I kind of wanted to emphasize the... Dun, dun, Maybe dun, dun. Our if you could measure my heart rate and my blood pressure right now. <laughs> yeah. Reverie's mission is your story matters here.
poop. What? <laughs> oh, that's it. <laughs> your story and your poop matters here. Anything else? I think that's perfect. Woo! Thank you. Can I get an amen? Man. Yeah, it's so good for us to see a story. When you see, when you see any group working, it's because of leadership. And I just want to give it up to Saul Gomez and Abby Hyland and the whole team for their leadership and impacting so many. It's, just, it's always good to tell these things because it lets you know, it's a fair thing to do to let you know this because it'll tell you whether you're, this is not the church for you or whether, oh man, this is the church for me. One of the most significant impacts has been Saul and the team hosting receptions for Muslim groups. And just coming in, they're using our reception hall for some of the celebrations. And, and uh, Saul said it's really fun to see the women who have their celebrations and, and they, they get in that room alone. No men allowed. And uh, they just enjoy and have fun and uh, the relationships that are being built. And, and I love that. I never thought I could be a part of a place that says, hey, we've got these assets and we're going to share them with people. And... Um, it's really important that you know that because you say, hey, I don't want to be reaching out to Muslims with the love of Jesus. That's not right. This is the wrong church for you. This is the wrong place. But if you go, and I love it, a place that just says, here are our assets, and we're going to, they want to use our facility, we're going to share the love of Jesus with them while they're here. That's, that's what they do. So, uh, and, and I just give Saul and the team just huge, huge props for the leadership that they're showing, and uh, we hope that you get to use a few weeks. I know some just dear, dear people to us. We got the, we got the announcement yesterday in the mail that Gary and Betty Richards, longtime Southbrookers, are like family to Sherry and I. We got the announcement that they're celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary in the Reverie Hall uh, in a few weeks, and I know. It's just so great that we have this place. You know, we didn't used to have this place. We just, we just didn't have a place to do that kind of thing, and uh, we do now, so I'm uh, glad you got to see that story. This is the reality of the world. Remember I said a few weeks ago that if you have lived in this world long enough and walked with faith, then you know that uh, Genesis 1, 1 and 2 is really the story of your life. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made you. And the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep into the depths of the sea. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And this is really important because default destination doing nothing is darkness. The default reality of the earth is not light. The default reality of the human condition is not light. It is darkness. It's a huge difference between humanism and Christism. Christism says that we were created perfectly in God and then sin entered the equation and damaged us. Darkness came in and without an outside source intercepting that, we will walk in darkness. Humanism says we were, we were made, you know, you know from you, zoo to you by way of the goo. We, were, we, 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 we came out of the ocean and we walked on earth with, with uh, you know, gills that walked, and that's how we ended up. And if we keep God out of messing things up, that humanity will end up perfect. That's what humanism says. And, and we say, oh, no. How many of you, when you lived without God, life just got easier and better and richer and light? No, it doesn't happen that way, does it? It doesn't happen that way. The way Isaiah put it is he put it this way. 
He said this. He said that on those living in the land of darkness will see a great light. This is often looked at as a, a Christmas passage because this is the coming of the Messiah. There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And what this is speaking to that is hundreds of times over in the scriptures, 200 times the Bible uses night or the darkness as a metaphor for the default reality of hum the human condition. But that God's answer to this was not a religion. Again, I mentioned this last week, but Don Buttry gave me a book last year that I finally got to read this summer called Reunion, in which he shows that Jesus' religion was the end of religion. That Jesus came to set aside all these things that are about measuring up, and he came to bring a relationship. So God's solution to darkness was not religion. God's solution to darkness, religion was needed in, initially to give, to give structure. It's like the... It's, it's like the, the framing of a house. you got to have that initially, the scaffolding. But then once the house is built, you don't need the scaffolding anymore. And Jesus came as God's answer. His answer was not more rules. His answer was a relationship that would bring light into the human condition. And this is essential because we walk in darkness. Most of us have lived long enough to know that the default reality human condition is not light. You take God out of our lives and our lives will gradually creep into the darkness. And before you know it, I've got a dear friend who this week I was told is having an affair. It's just two people I said, oh no, this, this not, did not happen. You know, that didn't happen overnight. It was what happens is we're naive about the darkness and we will, we will deviate into that dark place so quickly. I, again, I said, you know, the two darkest days in our lifetime have happened this year, January 6th and August 16th. It was just, are you kidding me? We did this again. We did this again. It's not a political statement. It's just... Oh my gosh, we made some of the mistakes, tragic mistakes again. You just look around you and you see. I'm having trouble hearing you. <laughs> Anybody having trouble hearing me? Because Siri is having a hard time hearing me. That is classic. That is classic. Uh, our video team already has that on the internet, I guarantee you. They already have posted that. And uh, yeah, um, don't say anything that sounds like Siri. Okay, it didn't happen that time. Okay, good. But, but look at this. this is, for example, look at this. You, if you, you see these, oh, that's dark. You, you'll, if you look around with eyes that can see, if you're awake to the reality of darkness, you'll see this. Harvard University did a study a few years ago in which they asked students, if prices were the same, which option would you choose? Option A, you make $50,000 per year and everybody else makes $25,000 per year. Or option B, you make $100,000 per year, but everybody else makes $200,000 per year. Guess which option they chose? Option A. I would rather make less money knowing I'm making more than other people. Just a little, ooh. Boy, the human condition. This is why Jeremiah said that the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? I mean, we'll do things that we hurt ourselves. What, what, what's that about? It's one thing to be so selfish as to hurt other people, but why do you do things that hurt yourself? 
I, uh, I remember years ago, a sociological study was done, and it is the definition that ends the, the question whether or not there's dark depravity in the world or not. These sociologists got together and did this study. We want to know how long it takes people from the time they leave a, a shopping center and get into their car to back out of a parking space. So how long does it take that once they get to their car, they unlock the door, they get in, they put their seatbelt on, start the car and back out, how long does it take? 32 seconds on average is about what it takes a person, which if you look at your life, you know, I've measured this, it's true. You just normally, it takes about a half a minute. So they took a second run at it. How long does it take someone to get into their car, start the car, get the seatbelt on, back out, if someone is waiting for that spot? Now, the human condition is so enlightened that if I see someone in the Dayton Mall parking lot waiting for my spot, I'm going to not want to inconvenience them at all. I'm going to want to go faster out of that. Do you think that's how the human heart works? It's not. On average, it went up to 39 seconds if I knew that someone was waiting for that spot. I'm just going to take my time here and buckle the seatbelt and back out. It took a third swipe at it. What if that person waiting beeped the horn? <laughs> and, you know, because, oh, my gosh, thank you, friend, for letting me know that. Thank you for giving that audible reminder that I'm holding you up. I will back out because I'm full of goodness, righteousness, and truth. I will back out. And, and 43 seconds. <laughs> and this is just evidence that, that there's a darkness to us that when it's allowed to go unbridled, it doesn't get lighter. You know this happens to you. We were in Newark last Saturday to visit Sherry's mom, and we were coming back, and the traffic going through Columbus was a little heavy. And I had a guy who uh, we were trying to merge onto 270, and he came around me to where I, I, I couldn't get over. And so I had to speed up real quick and get over. Well, once we got onto 270, he wanted to get over into the left lane, and I just... I just kept going a little faster so that wouldn't. You ever done that? Like, I wouldn't break in any rules. I wasn't giving him the bird or anything like that. So I was Christian about my sanctified fury. Uh, but, I just, you know, just speed up. Or, you know, I was just going to make it difficult for him to get it. That's dark, friends. That's just darkness. You've done it. Don't look at me that way. You've done it. The same thing. And we all have our ways. And Jesus said, this is the testimony, the light is coming to the world, and the people love the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. We don't even like this stuff being brought up because what happens is we get ashamed of our darkness, and we don't want to bring that into the light. And what happens is we know this is true now on so many levels, sociologically, neurologically, that the more you keep things in the dark, they don't get weaker, they get stronger. And Jesus said, some people just, they just stay in the dark because it's just better to numb the pain of being in the dark and find ways to act like it doesn't exist than it is to actually deal with it and step into the light somebody once said the reason we don't run to God is we don't know how much trouble we're in I, I firmly believe this that we think oh you know what I pay my bills I don't kick my cat I'm a pretty good person right I'm not in trouble and yet, there are people in this room right now, I guarantee you, that are flirting with the darkness. And here's America. We have enough religion, and we don't even realize that our culture is so based on Christ, 
that we, we kind of can live in this partial light, partial dark reality. And by the way, this is just a miserable place to live. The guy who was bored at a Bible study and guilty at a bar. That's the guy, you know, like I'm, I'm bored at church, but I feel guilty when I go to the bar at night. And it's just a terrible place to live. The worst place to live is partly in recovery. Just, you know, your head is full of recovery and your stomach is full of booze. That's the worst place to be. And so Jesus comes. He is God's answer to the human condition of walking in darkness. And he says, I am a light of the world. Is that what he said? Is that what he said? He said, I'm the light. Now, by the way, if, someone, if I stood up before you today and I said, I am the light of Dayton. You would say, is there another church? Because this dude is crazy. All right, this dude is nuts. You would say that because that is such a bodacious statement. C.S. Lewis once said that he was either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. There's no option. There really isn't any other option than those three. He either knew that he was lying about being the Messiah, the light of the world, but he was just pulled the biggest con of all time, or he actually thought he was the Messiah. You know, you've heard of Messiah complexes where people have a Messiah paranoia he, that Jesus had the, the biggest one of all time. 2,000 years later, we still, so he's either a lunatic or he is the light of the world. He is the light for your marriage. He's the light for your school. He is the light for your community. He is the light for the Middle East. He's the light for Afghanistan. He is the light for America. And around here, we believe that. That's why our, our mission is to connect people to Christ, not religion. Because religion is our attempt to moralize our world into life. And Christ's mission was to infuse the human heart with such light that there would be an inner transformation. The way the New Testament puts it is this. When you walk in the spiritual light of Christ, there is no law that can achieve what that light achieves. There's no law. You can't legislate people into what Christ can do with his light illuminating the human soul. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This is why we don't want you to get into a religion where you get two pounds of God in a paper stack to go every Sunday. You just get your little ethical system. You get your little moral improvement. No, he, that, that's, that's not our mission. Our mission is you become a follower of Christ. That if he lived your life, this is how he would live your life. You become a student. Baptism isn't your graduation, it is your orientation to say, I want to be a student there. I want to be a student under him. Because he says, and I, I just, I, I, I get really impatient with pastors who stand up in front of people and they put their hands in their pockets and say, now I don't have the truth figured out, so I'm not going to be real bold about, you know, this, because I'm just a sojourner like you are, I, 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 but I just want you to know that I think Jesus is a Savior. No. I... He was the light in my life. I, I would have been lost in anger, resentment, greed, lust, selfishness. I wake up every day to a life that, how did, how, did, how did I get here? As Colin Powell said, the picture of the turtle on top of the fence post, that turtle didn't get there by itself. How did I get here? And this is the power of Christ is he does illuminate your life. This is not he, he says it and then he kind of lets you stumble around in the dark. No, he, he allows you to say, you know, no, I'm not going there because that would lead here. Because now I have the light. Why would, why would I walk in, 
in shame-based, hidden darkness, trying to cover up stuff when I could walk in the light. <laughs> Why would I do that? Because once you've tasted this, you don't want to go back. So every time, and it happens to me because I still have darkness that wants to lurk in me. Every time I start going into image management and deceit, and you know, I you know, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to have a hit that makes me feel good about that God's light. No, no, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. Now, what should it be for you? Because this series is really about receiving the light, giving the light away. That's, that's really simply, do not complicate it. Our job is to receive the light, receive the light through Sunday worship, through solitude during the week, through, through service and support, that we, we become these, these, these transparent agents of light because we're mutual followers. You have to ask yourself, which one is it going to be for you? Because there's this. All throughout the New Testament, 200 times the New Testament, the Bible uses the imagery of night to light, night to light. And this this remarkable transference of light power that causes transformation of soul condition. And so you have instances, for example, in places like Corinth and Ephesus, who were cultures very similar to ours, very similar. They didn't have iPhones and Androids, but, but... he had other ways of having sex addictions and substance addictions. I mean, it's just human condition doesn't change. We just have more tools to do it with or not. And so the, the, the city of Ephesus, for example, was the home of the worship of Diana, the, the goddess of sex. And so their temples were filled with prostitution. The worship included prostitution. People all ask, why did they go back to idols? It's because it, was, it did stuff like that. I mean, that's, that kind of appeals to people, Right? And Paul looks at them, and he says these great words. This could happen to you today. For you were once. That was you one time. You were paying for prostitutes at one time. You were, you were using women in a, in a unidimensional way. You, were, you got what you got because you were deceitful. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And these, these are just these words. You just, you kind of, you, glim, you just go over them. But you were once. That the destination of the human condition is not darkness. That there's a God who said, I'm going to do something about this. And he didn't give rules. He didn't, more rules. He didn't give He didn't give a religion. He gave a relationship with him where we could experience what Tim Tim Timmons said, that the the key to life is everything works better plugged in, that now you would be able to have complete direct access to the power. The temple had been torn in, the curtain had been torn in two. You could go into the Holy of Holies now every day. You don't need a church building to do it. You just do that because you're with other people who are seeking the light and you get encouraged by that and empowered by that. but, But now... It's opened up, and he says, so live as children of light. And one of the things, if you want to pray, like every day pray this, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. If you pray that for years, God will answer that prayer. He'll bring into your soul and your inner being, not just outwardly, a true goodness and 
righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the Lord. Your life's no longer about how can I do just enough to get into heaven but not, not miss out on the fun on earth. No, that's not your way. You want to you please the Lord. You want to live according to the light. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather, expose them. Oh, that's dark. No, that's not funny. That's dark. He even says it's shameful to mention what the disobedient do in secret. I mean, there's just some things that we shouldn't watch because, it's, oh, geez, that's shameful. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and work really hard to be light. Is that what it says? It's not what it says. It says, and Christ will shine on you. You're not your own light source. This is not about trying hard. It's about training. You're doing your life in such a way that you plug into the power that is the spirit of light. And he goes on to give these descriptions. This is really good. Be careful how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Your life matters. This is the major leagues. Uh, don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. Your life is important. Don't get drunk on wine. Real interesting thing that he mentions this, which leads to waste. That's what the word, that's what the word debauchery means. Paul doesn't say just as a moral reasoning, Christian. Christ followers shouldn't get drunk. He's saying it's a waste of life. How many of you ever said, man, I make really good decisions when I'm drunk. I just, I just make good decisions. It, just, it is the best way to optimize my time when I'm inebriated. No, it's a waste. It's a waste of time. And he says, you're not, you're not living so as to avoid hell. Now you're living to let in light. That's, that's your purpose. He said, Instead, live so deeply in the spirit that you're walking with God. You literally have the Holy of Holies walking with you down through the week. And then he says this. This is really interesting. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. This is really interesting because this is a light-bearing person. It's not that, that we just literally all the time are defined by the music we sing. What he's saying is, is there's this song in your heart now. Remember the, the old the hummingbird story is the hummingbird doesn't know the words, but he knows the tune. And there's a song in your heart now that this is a picture of your disposition. You used to be a complainer and a grumbler. Now you're a person that, what are you humming? I remember one time I was deaning a week of church camp and I'm walking through church camp one morning. I'm leading this week of church camp. And I remember that this hit me, this verse hit me, because I'm, hum, I'm uh, walking through this camp and, and I'm humming the Budweiser tune to myself. <laughs> you know, just humming the, uh, real spiritual, real spiritual. There's no, I, nothing inherently wrong with the Budweiser tune, the king of beers and all that, but, but, but he, changes, he changes your tune. You know, many of us today will walk this week and we'll be singing that song that we sang today. That's just, it's in my heart. It's not just in my head. So which will it be for you? Because here it is, here it is, here's it right here. Every human being in this room will experience transformation once they come to Christ one of three ways. One way is we watch enough where we want to. We look at people around us and say, I want what she has. And so I'm going to get on this apprenticing Jesus like she is, and I'm going to be on that journey because I want what she has. And some people literally begin to plug into the light, and it's not 
for any other reason than I want that. I see the change that's happened in her, happened in him, and I want that. Now, some people, that doesn't work for them. It takes, they get graced enough where they get to. They have an awareness one day, this is where my life would be, and oh my gosh, it's not there, and I've just been graced, and now I want to be an agent of light because I've been graced, and I'm going to plug into that light. I'm not going to live without that light because I have some level of awareness of what my life could be without the grace of his light. Some people change that way, but not most people. Most of us change when we hurt enough where we have to. Where the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change. And I ask you today, if you hear the Lord's voice in this, may this be you. And if these two haven't been you, may this be you. Or today is the day you say, I'm not even going to live here in this quasi-light religion American I'm going to live unashamedly in the light of his glory and grace. I'm going to live every day of my life is to receive light, goodness, righteousness, and truth as a gift and then let it out. You see, all of this in Ephesians is the result of really Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 where he says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that anyone can boast. If you see someone with the light of goodness, righteousness, and truth living in them, it's not because they did it. It's because they have attached themselves to a power source that, oh my gosh, this is me? He, he did this in me? And today, if you hear his voice and you see something you want, go for it in Christ. Because he will give you the desires of your heart. If you've seen what he's already given you before you actually answered his invitation, then let that grace be a, oh my gosh, he saved me here, and he saved me here, and he's given me this, and he's given me this, and I didn't ask for that, but he did. I surrender all. And if that's not you, I pray that someday you hurt enough where you have to. Because he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. There's more. I'll tell you the number. Here's the automatic. If there's anything, I'll give you an automatic. I mean, I've been doing this for almost four decades now, and I'm telling you an automatic number that's associated with light coming in. You you ready for this? It's this number. It's the book of Romans. 12 steps. I've never seen someone who said, my life as it exists is unmanageable. I'm going to get into a community of other people who are walking in a journey of surrender. I I would, would, the journey I've been in, that scores of people in this church have been in, and there are so many people that you're sitting close to right now that can say, I was once darkness, but now I am a child of light. It's because they entered into this. Would that happen to you? Maybe today you start that journey. See, it's a journey from just knowing this stuff. Some of you know plenty. But to the heart, 
to the amygdala, you know, to the, okay. No more compromise. No, no more playing around with the dark. I'm stepping fully into the light of his grace. So we're going to do something together today that I don't think you'll ever forget. I really don't. It's so simple. But it's so powerful. Before we do that, let's sing this song. Let's sing it with music in your heart of the reality of the head to the heart re- redemption that's in Christ. Stand and sing with us, please. Yeah.
out your love in the open field. More than words, more than good ideas, I found your love in the open field. More than words, more than good ideas, I found your love. sit down for just a minute. It's going to feel like a Catholic church. We're going to have you stand up in a second. Um, so everybody here has, remembers light bright, right? This is a simple imagery in which you exchange the dark for the transparent. And, you know, some of the most memorable things we do around here are these tactile things where we physically represent the decision that we've made. And so in the four corners of the room are these giant light bright walls full of darkness. There's a light there trying to get through. Trying to get through. And what we would like for you to do today, if you say, I I don't have it all figured out, and you, you may be, you may be living in darkness right now, but you say, this is not the journey I want. I want to live in the freedom of light. Then what we would like for you to do is take your transparent illuminator and go up to that wall and simply take the dark and replace it with that and then just go back to your seat. As a reminder to you, this is the decision of my life. The darkness will not be my destiny. Not even, not the darkness of depravity, not the darkness of religion, where you look moral. But there's just still anger and resentment that's there, and everybody knows it. As a matter of fact, it's a turnoff to faith. 
because you have just enough religion to be a Christian, but there's just really still stuff that's dark. And so we'd like for you to do that. And go back to your seat. And then this, the team has this song to close with that is just so powerful. And I think this series, this weekend, and then next weekend where baptisms get expressed by some of these decisions will be a weekend we won't forget around here for a long, long time. Because as you'll see, this, there's no light in this. The light is behind it. And this is just the transparent illumination of that light that's allowed to come through. So let's do that and then go back to your seats and, and we'll finish up.
reign of darkness now is ended in the kingdom of light in the kingdom of light forever under your dominion you're the king of my life you're the king of my
I firmly believe this. The light of Christ is undefeated against darkness. Undefeated. When you allow fully, not, I mean, 95% is 5% short. When you say, I am all in, I am stepping into the light. When I feel drawn to dark, I'm going to step back in. When you do that in the transparency of grace, that light is undefeated against darkness. Just as every time a light's turned on in a dark room, the darkness always loses. And we want you to experience that journey because that's what it is. It's a gift and a growth of a journey. So next weekend is big splash, weather permitting. We're praying for a day like today. We're going to be doing it outside where we celebrate. We'll have about a half an hour, 40-minute service in here where we then get to see the light bright on the wall of all of our lights coming together. And it'll be worth being here just to see the mosaic of our lights together because it's not really about me and you. It's about us. And we're going to get to see that together. And then just celebrate being a part of a church where the gospel is still working. You know, there are churches that haven't had a baptism in 10 years. And, and, and it, it happens. Uh, uh, but we're, we're privileged here to be a part of a community where we can come and just celebrate. Celebrate our own baptism when we were fill in the blank. And we want you to do that. And come back next week for Big Splash and uh, celebrating together. You have a great week. He is the light. Receive it right now and then go share it. See you next week, everybody, for Big Splash. Thank you.